Hi, it's Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Welcome to Talking Trading. I am very excited to introduce the special guest to our show today, Janine Alice. Janine is one of Australia's largest and leading entrepreneurs. She is the CEO and founder of Boost Juice and Retail Zoo, which has over 500 stores in 13 countries and has turned over more than $2 billion since its inception. Last year, the company earned a profit of $250 million. And in the past year, around the world, over 30 million people have sipped on a Boost Juice. So how did a girl who never finished high school turn an idea around the kitchen table into a global empire? In today's interview, we find out. We also find out what running an international corporation looks like from the inside out from a woman who is also a mother of four children. Today is part one of Janine Alice's interview, but first up, let's hear from Louise Bedford in Mind Power on Pattern Bliss. I have to admit, every time I see a pattern in the process of forming on a live share chart, I'm filled with awe. Like a child, I get caught up in the aesthetic beauty of the chart, and I feel a sense of wonder about how humans repeat the same types of behaviour over and over again. For those of us who have learned how to read this behaviour, it can be an incredibly profitable frontier. However, the leap from seeing a jumble of share prices to understanding a meaningful pattern can sometimes seem insurmountable when you start out. Have you ever seen one of those magic eye computer-generated three-dimensional pictures? At first glance, it seems to be one-dimensional and quite flat. But when you squint your eyes and you stare at the picture for long enough, An incredible three-dimensional object reveals itself in vivid detail. It took me so long to be able to see these types of pictures. And then all of a sudden, once I can see them, I'm so excited. I can see it's a spaceship. It's got little aliens inside. And you feel so good that you've been able to see something that you couldn't see earlier. Once you know the trick of seeing the images, all of a sudden, you can see them easily and everywhere. And that can be very frustrating for your less enlightened buddy. That method, it's almost impossible to explain, to tell somebody who's never done it before how to see that image. But once they've got it, they can do it again and again as well. You see, it's like with the markets. Learning about pattern detection is teachable. And all it takes is exposure to the right education and the right content. And soon enough, you'll be able to see patterns everywhere you look. And what are you looking at in your share chart? Are you actually looking to see where people are placing their money? Who's buying, who's selling, who's in control? Focus on the principles of pattern formation. Develop your skill over time and you'll live the trader's life. Need a little short-term trading magic in your life? Chris Tate and I are touring Australia to give you our one-day course so that you can trade the short-term trends and raid the markets. We're coming to Sydney, Perth and Melbourne. And 
you want to be in that room as we reveal our secrets. Go to tradinggame.com.au for details. tradinggame.com.au Hi, this is Steve Nissen, the father of candlesticks in the Western world, and I listen on an ongoing basis to Talking Trading. Janine Ellis is the founder of Boost Juice and the CEO of Retail Zoo, which has over 500 stores in 13 <laughs> countries. And in the past year, over 30 million people have sipped on a Boost Juice. Janine Ellis, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Thanks for having me. Janine, you're one of Australia's leading entrepreneurs, but you didn't get formal business qualifications, did you? How did you become an entrepreneur? Look, you know, what is an entrepreneur? You know, I think in actual fact, the full sense of an entrepreneur is, is someone who's not a great business person because an entrepreneur is someone that goes, I have a great idea, I'm really excited, and then another bright light happens to the left and they go, oh, I'm going to go follow that bright light. Um, so in actual fact, quite often it's very difficult for entrepreneurs, the true sense of the entrepreneur, to actually be successful because of that, you know, sticking with that same thing to achieve success. And look, you're right, you know, I, I certainly haven't come from a uni degree or, you know, I went to a tech school. And back in the 80s, tech schools were designed to, for tradespeople, you know, designed uh, that had, you know, my subjects were sheet metal, woodwork, um, <laughs> typing. Um, so, you know, I can make a I can make a bird house, but God help me if you want to know the capital city of anywhere in the country. So, you know, it was sort of designed for that. So it was a really practical school. You know, I've never worn a uniform my whole life at school. You know, it was always, you know, because they wanted to have that, you know, feeling of, casualness it was you know jeans and a t-shirt so it's it was a different type of upbringing and the school only went to year 11 and the other thing is that there was no one that actually went to university that I knew so it wasn't even something that you thought oh okay well let's finish school and I'll go and do a degree in science or degree in law or you just left school and started working so yeah started working at 16. So what did you do where did you go? Um, the first job I had was a uh, media, like junior, 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 junior media assistant at um, McCann Erickson at an agency. And, you know, I was seriously the coffee girl, the person that typed little numbers into little squares. And I was responsible to make sure that the ads that General Holden's paid for actually made it to the air. So it was a really, you know, dog's body job. Um, but, you know, I was a bit like a millennium, you know, I am. Um, I sort of went, okay, I've done that job, what now? I was very much, I, I tried, you know, I ran a gym. I um, tried modelling very badly at it. I did, um, I was an aerobic instructor. But really what I wanted to do was travel. That was sort of, you know, I certainly wasn't the girl with the lemonade stand. I was the one that just wanted to have a backpack on her back and travel the world. And you did, didn't you, for a long time? Yeah, I did. I, my poor mother, I told her I was leaving for three months and I came back seven years later with a two-year-old. So it was a it was a lot longer and a lot more challenging and, and, and certainly not what I expected. Um, but, yeah, no, I just – I think, you know, being young and having no, you know, mortgages and responsibility, you know, following your nose and meeting someone and then you find yourself in Denmark and you meet someone else and you find yourself in Tenerife and then you end up finding yourself on a yacht owned by David Bowie. So, you know, it's amazing how at that world just unfolds when you just follow your nose. And I think there's never, it's very difficult to do it when you're older, uh, but, you know, youth is a time to do it. And it taught you problem solving. 
Look, it did. You know, I sat down once and thought, you know, people went, well, you've got no business experience. I went, so what did I learn? <laughs> so the, look, it was, the thing is, so when you're travelling and you're in an era where there's no mobile phones, no internet, no Skype, no nothing, you're really living on your wits and you haven't really got the resources to actually look outside of your world to help you. So there wasn't, you know, there was literally nothing. So what travel taught me was that you need to actually think on your feet you need to problem solve and sometimes um, failing isn't an option. And, you know, a couple of things. I had a um, – I was in a place called Tenerife, Spain, which was really dodgy. And, you know, I had this guy come in, this um, security guy and a policeman came into my room and was rolling joints. And I said, look, really, I don't want you doing it. He goes – I said, what if someone else comes in? He goes, that's fine. I'll say it's yours. And you're just going, right, okay. And then, you know, I had a guy, you know, a guy following me in France and, you know, all sorts of situations you get in. And you um, you really do have to think on your feet. The worst one I, I got into, I was hitchhiking because that's what smart people do when they travel and have no resources to tell anyone where you are. Um, I hitchhiked. I got this car. It was around the same time as a can film. He said, uh, oh, look, I'm a... Um, I'm a producer of a company that does, you know, um, soft porn video. Are you interested? I said, no, no, thank you. Anyway, I said, I'll drop me off here. And he kept driving. And I thought, okay, I'm in trouble here. And so it's it's those situations where you don't panic, you don't freak. You just go, all right, how do I get myself out of this situation? And, you know, basically went, turned to him and said, actually, that sounds like a really great idea. It's something I'd really like to do. Uh, you know, I started asking him about it and um, told him that I would, you know, I'd love to do it. How exciting. And I'd meet him at a certain place tomorrow. And then all, all then got myself out of the car and clearly never saw him again and, you know, <laughs> myself away from it but it was really that okay the outcome is survival not being raped and murdered um how do i achieve that and you know you take that into business and you go well the outcome is whatever that is and you wind back and go how do i achieve it and i think people sometimes start on a journey and forget that that um what the end needs to look like and i think you really need to see what the end looks like Boost Juice began as an idea around your kitchen table in Melbourne, and it's become a global international empire. Let's walk through the journey of Boost. Store number one, King William Street, Adelaide. How did that come about? Uh, It's probably a longer story than the the podcast. Um, It it came about, first of all, we did a business with another group of people um, called Seduce, and it was in Chapel Street. And the guys that were involved with that, you know, let's say the partnership didn't end well. And, you know, so I was sort of quite devastated because I had to put all my heart and soul into that and then went, okay, well, we're going to start again. And I've never lived in Adelaide. And my husband was working for radio and he was travelling around Australia as part of his job and he saw a site in King William Street and thought, look, it's a good site, I know it well, um, you know, let's, you know, let's, um, let's do that. And, um, you know, having no idea about business or, you know, that, you know, starting a new concept in a whole new state probably wasn't the smartest idea. We said, sure. And it was a terrible lease. We, we signed, we paid too much. It was heritage. We couldn't do anything with it. It had no air. Like it was a terrible, terrible lease. But it got started. And, you know, sometimes getting started in your journey, that's when you start to learn the lessons. And really by getting started and serving customers and, you know, really opening that door is when, you know, when it really all unfolded. Why juices? Look, you know, I approach business um, as a consumer and as a marketer. You know, clearly, I couldn't approach it as a business person because I had no idea. Um, so, really, as a as a consumer, 
I'm not a, you know, I love my glass of wine. You know, I yes, I do yoga, you know, for six days a week, and I and I'm relatively healthy, but I'm not a, you know, a you know, a monk that's on a, a hill. You know, I do I do have chocolate, and I do have all these yummy stuff in my life. But what I did want, I I wanted actually a an ability to go and get something healthy. And I and I'm we all know, you know, that you need to get two and five into your diet, and you need to eat more vegetables and need to eat more fruit. But, you know, quite often, it, you know, it doesn't taste so great, you know. So I thought if I could create a product that people loved but actually helped them get more fruit and vegetables into their diet, then I've done my job. And, look, we've done that. You have. And you've also done the love life culture that Boost Juice spreads. Where did the love life vision spread from? Look, it comes from, it comes from us. You know, it comes from, I say us as in Jeff and I, you know, at the end of the day, um, we sat around and we said, "What does this business want to be?" And we said, "Look, we want we want to make sh- we want to make people happy. We want to make people who's having a, a miserable day feeling that little bit better. You know, we want people to walk away with a great tasting product. They they taste it and they feel that little bit better as well. So, and then that all sort of just came down to love life. And it's not shoving it down their throat to go. You know, we we love people and we do that. We're just going. You know what? It's about loving life. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, eat well. You know, party hard, have fun, and just yeah. So so that's why a lot of our communication is is you know not so serious. It's it's taking the piss out of ourselves. You know, it's we're not we don't take ourselves too seriously. Boots Juice's growth broke all the records and it was the fastest growing franchise in Australian history. In one year, you had set up 50 stores and you hit the BRW rich list. But in reality, you were living off your husband's salary in a rental property and you hadn't taken a cent out of the business. And for the first three years, you didn't take a salary. But in year four, you did. And it was $35,000. What kept you going through those hard times? Look, you know, it, it is funny media when they said that, you know, we, we were really struggling to find cash at the time when, when I hit the so-called rich list. And um, and I did, I remember thinking at the time, I went, okay, that's what I want to get to. <laughs> um, but, you know, the look, you know, it just, there's barriers and challenges every single day. You know, some days, you know, the phone rings and it's all news and you've got the right site at the right rent and sales have gone really well and then the phone rings and it's all disaster you know and it's just part of business it's part of the journey you know and if if you know and business isn't for everyone you know some people should be on the merry-go-round not the roller coaster ride because you know sometimes the roller coaster ride you know there isn't much fun on it when you're screaming down looking into a near abyss so you know it's it's just um you know it's just probably working out what what you want in life which didn't answer your question actually no no that's okay <laughs> at what point did you realize this was going to work when did you see the magic starting to happen look you know um as as i said earlier because i had three kids at home i didn't really have much time to network um so i didn't know whether the business was going well or poorly so for me it was it was you know, I don't know if we're there yet. You know, yes, the business is going well and it's strong, but it could be so much more. You know, we're, um, you know, we're, we're we're overseas, but we could do better. We're in Australia, but we could do better. You know, we're, we've got our products, but they could be better. You know, like everything we do could be better. I could be better. So, you know, I, so I'm not really the one to go, oh, I'm there now. Um, so it's a hard question for me to answer because there's so much more to do. 
Life's a journey. You went from zero to 100 stores in four years. And you've said that the sort of person who runs a small business is different from the sort of person who runs a big organization. And you had to grow and evolve along the way. I'd like to talk about good leadership and what makes a good leader. So firstly, let's talk about accountability and the skills needed to handle mistakes and failures in a business journey. At the end of the day, I believe there's two types of people out there. We can all move into both categories. Um, you can either you can be a verb or you can soar. And the people that really do uh, are successful and you can even hear how they talk and how they communicate and how they hold themselves, they're the ones that soar. They're the ones that, you know, it's all about solutions. Uh, it's about uh, taking ownership about everything they do. It's about accountability and being responsible for the outcome. The other ones are the verbs. They're the ones that it's victim. It's never their fault. They're always a result of bad decisions or, you know, it's always, you know, it's never their fault. They're entitled. They're entitled, you know, uh, you know I've been in that job for 10 years. Why haven't I got the promotion instead of being the one that's doing the right thing? Uh, they need to be rescued. You know, they can't find the answers they've always got to find other people to try and help them out they don't even bother to really try and to try and find the answers and they do the blame game you know it's never their fault as soon as something goes wrong the first thing they do is get the fingers out and try and point it to everyone so people don't think it's them they're the ones that are perpetually complaining uh, whinging and actually never going anywhere but it's the ones that are sores the ones that are comfortable in their skin and prepared to actually make the hard decisions and also be be proud when they fuck they stuff up. <laughs> um, so you know, it's so it's they're the ones when you know I, I admire enormously people coming into my office and going, Janine, I have just really stuffed up, and um, this is what's happened, but this is what I'm doing about it. Uh, and then I go, okay, yep, that sounds like a good solution. Off you go. So I would get you know that person, you know, I would give them. They're the ones that gets promotion, not the ones that does the mistake and then tries to hide it and blame the world. So it is a type. You know, leadership is an interesting beast. Um, with leadership, you first and foremost have to be your natural way but but and, and be yourself because quite often people go, okay, I'm a leader. I need to be like, you know, a bomber or I need to be like, you know, um, I think really, you know tr true leaders, right? Um, but... In actual fact, you have to be fundamentally yourself, but have leadership style. Like you, you need to be able to see great people, inspire them so they can follow you, you know, to, to make sure you lead by example. You know, there's no point, you know, people pretty much see through people who say, you know, we, I work with, I only have people around me who has high integrity, but yet has no high, high integrity themselves. So I think you have to be genuine and honest with yourself as well. You've said that a good leader sees greatness in others. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, totally. And I think um, when you, you know, it's quite often it's easy to see the fault in people, but if you can see greatness and really work with them on that greatness, then you can get the best out of people. But then again, you know, some people, you know, the worst thing I've done for people is set them up to fail. You know, they've been highly competent. They don't want to let me down. I put them in positions well beyond their capabilities and they've failed, you know. So it's that fine line between rewarding and really making sure it's the right time for the right person. I just want to go back to what you just said, how important it is to be yourself in your business and as a leader, because that's something you talk about a lot. And you've also said that it's more important to be respected than liked. And that's a big thing for women, isn't it? And, and it is. And, and uh, you know, and men, you know, a lot of men like to be liked, you know, so it, no, it's really important. But you know what, in business, 
business, if you want to make friends, then go join a book club. You know, but if you're a business in your leadership, your your job is to do the best thing by the business. You know, and and quite often that means that you know have to make the hard decisions. You know, and yes, sometimes you have to people you have to fire people, and you know, knowing that they've got mortgages and kids and all that sort of stuff, but you've got to allow the space for new people coming in. So you so business they're not your friends you know they can be friend like but if you think people that work for you are your friends then then you will struggle to be a great leader so and the other thing is you've got to understand that if you aren't being that person that only expects excellence well the people that work around you will actually look at you and not understand why you put up with mediocrity in people and you know and now actually you know what the great people will go and find someone else because they want to pay, work on the a team and it's no different from sport you know sport you know is you know you look at um a a professional football team for them to get to the grand final they have to make those hard decisions and drop off the bottom five percent they have to and they have to actually reward and spend time in developing the top end and that's what that's what you have to do as a leader so it absolutely you need to be respected more than liked and you know being respected means that if I ask something, you should deliver on it. And if you don't deliver on it, there will be consequences. So, you know, but a like person goes, oh, you didn't deliver on it? That's okay. Can you try harder next time? I mean, that doesn't get anything done. And that creates this culture of, you know, a business that's going to be half-assed. And stay tuned for part two of Janine Alice's interview next week. I'm Caroline Stephen. Have a good week in the markets. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.